Um, you know what really stood out to me on his tape? You, it's impossible to tackle the guy. His no, yeah, that well, that, that's the that's, that's the that's the the main thing with uh, Sam Laporta is right. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, April 19th. I'm your host, Easton Freese, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And I am joined, as always, on this fine Friday by producer JT. JT, how are you? Glad to have you back. I know. I, you know, I'm not entirely mad that I missed out on four straight hours of offensive line because I love... Back for four hours I, no, I love, I love <laughs> managing... Um, I would have loved managing you guys talking about an offensive lineman, but to save me the embarrassment of probably falling asleep on camera as you guys mm-hmm. just like talk about how tall each guy was that I'm kind of glad I wasn't there. Well, uh, we still good we, episodes though. You should not like they are. No, they are from, great episodes from, from my perspective. Very boring. Cause I have to listen to it four times over. You want to produce them, but you would want to listen to them. Yeah. Right? But exactly. you want to listen to them. <laughs> no, they're great. And once again, thank you to Stoney Keeley for giving so much of his time and so much of his, brilliant expertise on this draft class and on the linemen. I, I don't think that there's somebody I trust more in terms of lineman evaluation in the entire state of Tennessee than Stoney Keeley. The dude knows his stuff. The dude puts in the hours. I'm not sure when he sleeps or eats or like has a life, um, but he does, which is crazy. I saw that he's at a, a concert or no, a, a like a, a movie screening last night that he's pre-gaming. Like, I don't know how he manages to have an awesome social life and do 26,000 words worth of draft profile and yet he does so we appreciate him being on the show and looking forward to having him on for day two and potentially day three of our live draft shows today we've got another guest a guy that you're going to be familiar with little James Foster time today on the show James Foster oh man I have to redo all that because I didn't have the, I didn't have the freaking um. We I have to get off. James get James back on here. No, no, no. I took James it off for James because the it was like his whole face was covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. Uh, who designed the stupid overlay? What a moron. I don't know. Um, I know, me. Um, all right, here we go. Sorry. Take three. <laughs> Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, April the 14th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 podcast network and i am joined once again he's back after a two show hiatus producer jt jt glad to have you back how are you i'm very glad to be back although i'm I'm sure that the all-powerful all-knowing stoney keely with his knowledge on offensive linemen was definitely better suited to talk four hours straight of yeah not not to be disrespectful but i'd I'd rather hear his opinion on linemen than yours (laughs) hey i'd I'd much rather hear his his opinion on linemen than me too so like as as a producer of the show like it did i i would have fell asleep probably because i would have already i would have had to listen to that four hours like four more times so like i would have fallen asleep but like it's yeah, very both, both of the episodes are, episode. are great episodes and worth listening to. I don't recommend listening to them in two, both back to back in one fell swoop. <laughs> give yourself the the Surgeon General of the United States recommends you give yourself a twelve hour break in between those episodes because it's a lot a lot of I mean two hours each basically of information overload. But shout out to Stony Keeley once again for giving so much of his time to the show. If you don't know what we're talking about, the last two episodes on this podcast feed were the top 10 interior offensive linemen in the 2023 NFL draft. And then we did tackles the following day, both episodes with Stoney Keeley of the Sobros Network, who is, for my money, 
the best offensive lineman evaluator in the entire mid state. I trust him above anybody else. Um, and, and he, he, he's got the goods. He knows what's going on. Uh, he, he knows how to evaluate these guys. He puts in the legwork. He, he puts in the time in the effort and tape study going down to mobile, watching them live. Like he knows what he's talking about and he does a much better job than I do, uh, explaining the pros and cons of each of those linemen. So go and check those episodes out today. We've got another guest who you'll be very familiar with. It's the return of James Foster of no flags film and a to Z film room on the show. And we are talking tight ends today. We had previously planned for today to be my mock draft 2.0, but when James comes a calling, you don't say no. We, we we would be foolish to to not take this opportunity to have him on the show. So we'll just bump the mock draft 2.0 to Monday. We'll talk about it then. For today, we'll cover the tight ends, which we were going to do next week anyway. So just a little flip flop. James is fantastic. We talk about um, really how we James and I concur. There's a a a set five guys in this class that are worth a day one or day two consideration. And they all are kind of a different flavor. It's a choose your own adventure situation as to who, what kind of player you want. And then beyond that, there's some day three value guys that I think you can find. Um, Titans fans in particular should pay attention to those guys because it would not shock me at all. If somebody in the fourth, fifth round, came to Tennessee like I don't know a Payne Durham or something that that was a guy who you would learn to love pretty quickly. I think that there's some real value on day three in this head in class. So a lot of fun to talk about all around. Let's get to the conversation without further ado. James Foster of A to Z Film Room. It's our top 10 tight ends. All right, let's welcome in a very friendly face, James Foster, once again, back with us on the Hot Read Podcast. James, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. It's been a long time. Excited to have you back and excited to talk about some tight ends today. Um, we've, we've got a pretty decent tight end class here to talk about. Uh, there's there's a lot, of, a lot of talent, and I think it's something that may, I don't know. I, I want to, before we start on the individual guys, I want to get your overarching view of this tight end class and just how talented you think they are. But then my, my thought is that these tight ends may rival the relatively poor wide receiver class in terms of who gets drafted, where it wouldn't shock me at all. If some teams in the second and third round find themselves wanting a pass catcher and they think that there are better tight ends on the board than receivers, what are your thoughts on this class? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think overall it's a good class, but you know, everybody says good or bad or average class. It's really about, kind of where they where it breaks down by round and mm. um, without getting into the specific people I think there's a, a top five a clear top five um, players that all offer a little bit different skill set but um, you know I would be targeting them in the late first kind of second early third round um, if I had a specific need and then I think there is some good depth, but definitely better than previous years. But tight end's not a position that's going to go like 20 deep of guys that can play. It's really like I have yeah. I have 16 draftable grades. And, you know, when you get to like the seventh rounders, that's really borderline. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and, and it is is one of the more fun positions to talk about, in my opinion, because when you're talking, you know, tackles or d defensive linemen, it tends to be a lot of the same over and over. 
Whereas with tight end, I mean, it's really like two or three different positions in one. These guys offer so many different things. And I agree with you. I think there is a pretty clear cut top five and all five of those guys are pretty different players. So it is really kind of a choose your own adventure situation. Um, and I, I think the this this position group in particular may end up falling on the draft board differently than people think simply because teams are going to be looking for a tight end that fits in their system more than they're looking for just the best guy on the board, right? Like a team that wants a pass catcher isn't necessarily going to go for a guy like, you know, Michael Meyer or Darnell Washington, if Dalton Kincaid or Luke Musgrave are still on the board, those guys are are going to be a, a different cat in the league. So let's start backwards to forwards here. We'll do the first four, 10 through seven on each of our boards. On my board, um, I have at 10, Davis Allen out of Clemson at nine, Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan at eight, Tucker Craft out of South South Dakota State, and at seven, Zach Koontz out of Old Dominion. Who are your 10 through seven tight ends? So at 10, I have Davis Allen out of Clemson, nine, Brenton Strange out of Penn State. Um, At eight, I have Luke, is it Schoonmaker or Schoonmaker? I've heard Schoonmaker, but I'm... it wouldn't Luke, shock me either way. Luke Schoolbus out of School Michigan bus. at eight. I've got Zach Koontz out of Old Dominion at seven. What do we say? Okay. Six through ten? Yeah, seven through ten. We'll do the seven first four ten. guys. Yeah. Um, so we both have Koontz at seven. We both have David Allen at ten. Let's start with ten. Let's start with David Allen out of Clemson. Um, w- give me your thoughts on him, and then we can run through some of his numbers. Yeah, I think uh, Davis Allen is a player that I had to lower after the combine because – um, you know, pulling up his athletic testing right now, like 40 yard dash, 23rd percentile. Yeah, um, and that, great. you know, 40 yard dash is really important for tight ends because most of the routes that tight ends are running is basically just like outrun this linebacker. Right. Um, the ability for a four forty, that's not the greatest, but his 10 yard split is 77th percentile 1.6. Well, so you can get off the line. Here's what I'll say with the 10 yard split percentiles. Okay. You take I think on that? that's look at the last two years on RAS. Then like, this isn't a, a shot at rat at RAS or however you pronounce it. It's just like yeah. something within the database or how they're being reported. Um, the 10 the average like 10 yard split percentile for the last two years has to be like in the 80s like everybody everybody has like a super high 10 yard split and then a really bad 40 so i've kind of hmm. um like in my in my database the way i calculate the percentiles i've stopped including the older the um older previous years because i think there was something where they were just being like underreported or now they're being I don't know what the deal is, but I, I think that it's a you little You just don't bit, trust that older data. Yeah, I, I don't really trust the, the okay. either the new or the old 10-yard split data. Something's, okay. something's up with that. Um, right, but yeah, you know, I think he is kind of just like a limited <clears throat> vertical athlete, um, not not in terms of his vertical jump, just like down downfield speed, which is a big part of uh, the tight end position. But I thought he was one of the best run blockers in this class. Um, I thought, you know, did a great job high pointing the football. Um, and like, he's, he's not just a run blocker in the sense that he gives effort. Like he does a great job getting his hands inside and, you know, driving people into the ground. Um, there were some focus drops and, you know, when you combine somewhat inconsistent hands, even though I think he has good ball skills with limited speed, um, I have a late fourth round grade on him. So that's about as high as I would go with Davis Allen. Yeah, I'm looking on the consensus board. 
he is um, relatively low on here. His his measurables were definitely underwhelming at the combine. Um, comes in at 6'5", 245, so he's a big fellow, but he's not the heaviest guy at all. Um, I, I was more impressed with him as a contested catch guy than I thought I would be when I watched some of the film. I went mm. just now and looked up look at the stats. He he caught 17 of 20 contested targets in this past two seasons. So like he's got good hands for sure. He can high point the ball. And then, like you mentioned, he's a pretty decent um blocker as well. He I agree, fourth round day three is the earliest that I would even consider him. But uh the 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 versatility, I think that if he I don't know, would you would definitely want to put some weight on him in the NFL, would you not? I I, I don't like that he's that tall and lean yeah i think he would definitely want to add some weight it's always hard with you know i thought his his weight was okay on tape it's hard with um the specific weight that players get down to at the combine because you know like with davis allen specifically i'm assuming that he's wanting to get his weight down so that he can get his 40 time up and a lot right. of times that can like really that, Which, you know, I, I don't want to work very I think well. He has like a, a good I think he has a good, like, I think he has a good frame and, uh, yeah. can, you know, as far as like contested catches, like you were saying, yeah, he is definitely to me someone that could be a really good red zone threat on jump balls. So I, I think he's going to be like a useful player, which yeah. is, which is the athletic football show, which I listen to. They call everybody useful players. So uh-huh. I, I just, yeah. uh, I stole that, I but know. like, um, I, I think he'll be a good player, but probably never going to eclipse a thousand yards receiving in a year would be my guess. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Let's uh, let's have you talk about Brenton Strange. He's the only guy on your board I, based on you, what you and by the way, guys, go check out all the amazing work James has done over on A to Z Sports website. He's got his 2023 NFL draft top 300 big board out. He coded a very handy, um, I don't know, what would you call this? Like a widget within it where you can customize the athletic testing numbers, the ungraded players, recruiting info. You can get by position, by school. It's really, really great. I um, mean, did a great job with it. So go check it out. Based on that, um, comparing your your board to mine, I think Brenton Strange is the only guy that you have that I did not. Tell me what you saw in Brenton Strange. I think Brenton Strange could be a good like H-back or fullback type of player. Mm. Um but, you know, also, I think a good inline tight end. I think he just has versatility to play all around the backfield. Um, really well-built player. Another really good blocker, um, you know, coming across the formation on, like, slice blocks and stuff. Um, he can get to the second level and target linebackers really effectively. And, you know, the games, a lot of times with tight ends, I'm going to be saying this about some other players on this list, but a lot of times tight ends are going to be like the fourth or fifth option in a team's passing offense. And like, you know, you could watch three games and they might get three targets, but you're projecting them to be a a better receiver or a more productive receiver in the NFL than they are in college. I don't, know what Brenton Brenton Strange's stats were but I remember you know initially not even giving him a grade the first few games that I watched because he just wasn't involved and then I heard he had uh, 33 catches on 45 uh targets in his okay so that's not bad um but yeah like I I heard Lance Zerline um you know mention him as a, a player that was underrated and so 
I went back and watched just like a cut up of his receptions. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think he's probably the most under discussed tight end in this class. Um, really? And yeah. So just looking at all these lists, I mean, he's, I've really only heard like one person person mention Britain strange, but I think, right. that, you know, I think he's up there with like Davis Allen and then Payne Durham is my 11th guy. I think those guys are kind of round out that, um, Interesting. That I'm, I'm much higher on Payne Durham than you are, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, looking at his numbers here, he's a guy that I'm with you. I've, I've really not, I've not watched him. I've not heard about him from anybody in the media space. Uh, but there's not, I'm like looking at his profile here and I'm trying to find something to dislike. It's hard. 6'4, 253, redshirt junior. He's 22 years old. He, he really wasn't an element in the passing game much until this past year, but he uh, was, was a decent pass catcher. It looks like this past season and uh, had five touchdowns. So, you know, maybe the, the only knock I can find here is looking at his PFF numbers by game, super inconsistent. Like it was, he was a, a star role in three or four games. And then there are five or six games last year where I'm not sure he even showed up. Um, but beyond that, no, I think that if you're looking for a where do you where do you have him graded by round? Is he a fourth round grade for you as well? Uh, yes, I have a mid fourth round grade on Brenton Strange. All right. So Brenton Strange, somebody that people should keep an eye on as a value pick on day three. Let's talk about Mr. School Bus because we both have him relatively close on our boards up next. He is your Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan. He is your tight end eight. He is my tight end nine. Um Looking at him on the consensus board, he is the tight end. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So right around this area. Uh, he's a pretty big fella, relatively similar to Davis Allen, actually. 6'5", 250. Um, he's got a, a better 40-yard dash for for sure. 4'6", 3". What were your thoughts on Schoonmaker? The first thing that stands out with Schoonmaker is his footwork, the just how smooth he is getting out of his breaks. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like, unlike, like I mentioned, you know, at the beginning of the episode, like every, every tight end skill set in terms of how they separate is going to be different, but there's not many of them that are true route runners. And I think that Schoonmaker has the skill set to develop into that. And then he is not a, an elite run blocker, but a really good run blocker. Um, you know, the biggest thing with, with Schoonmaker is, I, I guess, like age. Um, you look at his mm-hmm. athletic profile, I mean, 96 percentile three cone, um, that definitely shows up on tape. I think, yeah, there's a lot to like with, uh, with Luke's Luke Schoonmaker. Um, and I, I hadn't I, even considered his age until you just mentioned that he's, he's going to be like 25 this year. So yeah. And I, like I say, I say age is a negative. That's really just looking for negatives. The thing right. with tight ends is it's like, if you take a tight end age, age is important for those cornerstone like first round top 10 picks you know you don't want to spend the titans wouldn't want to spend ideally the 11th pick on like a tackle that's 20 first round quarterback you, know, you want them to be 21 right you want them to be 21 <laughs> and then they get into that second contract yeah. they're 25 with a tight end you know you can draft them in the fourth round and then they're 28 years old they give you four productive years and then you let right. them walk hit, you don't hit have quit to it and just have one contract have be, right so yeah, I think I think Schoonmaker um, for the Titans specifically would be a great option as a well-rounded tight end that can do a little bit of everything. 
Yeah, when I when I look at Schoonmaker, I I see him as just a slightly upgraded version of a lot of the guys we've talked about recently, but it's kind of the same deal. Like he's I think he's an NFL ready guy in terms of being an inline blocker. Um, and then you mentioned he's he's got he's just got a, a one extra gear that some of these guys like Davis Allen doesn't quite have where he can run away from from linebackers because he's a, a bit quicker. The age is a mild concern for sure. But last year he had 418 yards, three touchdowns. He's certainly not somebody that's going to be a massive impact for you in the passing game. But as a, as a blocker, you could imagine he'd be effective. That makes me think that wherever he goes, they're going to try to put some weight on him as well. Because at 250, as a primarily inline blocker, that's you'd prefer somebody with a little bit more heft to them there. So that's what he probably projects to be. Let's talk about, uh, let's do Zach Kuntz now. He is both of our tight end seven. Kuntz is, um, well, I'll, I'll pull up his, no, just kidding. Here we go. He is the tight end one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the consensus board. So we're kind of shocked so far, but tell me what you thought about Kuntz. Yeah, Zach Kuntz. Um, I watched him a little bit before the combine. I, I think it was like when, once I started hearing that he was going to test kind of like, like he was um, like, he ended up testing like 98th percentile vertical. Yeah. Everything. Um, like, yeah. Amazing. Everything is 90th. Everything is 90th. percent. I'm not going to list everything. It's all 90th percentile and above pretty much besides his weight. Um, yeah. But I mean like his weight's 64th percentile. Um, it's fine. Yeah. I think, you know, I was surprised how, uh, how polished of a route runner he was. Um, you know, does a, a really good job catching the ball with his, with his arms extended. Um, he puts forth effort as a run blocker, but I don't really think that's what you're drafting him for. And I don't think that's going to be a big part of where he adds value. Um, but I, you know, I think he's, when you compare him to Luke Schoonmaker, I have a four, two, eight on Zach Koontz and a four, two, three, on Schoonmaker, that's almost identical grades. That's basically mm-hmm. to the point where I've gone in and just shifted it to differentiate them, uh, so they have different ranking numbers. Honestly, um, but you know, I think I think Kuntz is more of the upside pick, and um, you know, I, I could see the bust factor with him because the production is very hit or miss. He was injured, I think, for most of 2022, um, but you know, really only two games last season where he did anything in the passing game that you can really evaluate. Yep. And he only Um, played five games last year. Right. And, um, you know, you go back to 2021, uh, you still see, I would argue just as dynamic of a route runner and playmaker. So yeah, I think, I think there's uh, a lot to like with Zach Coons. No, I agree. He's more projecty to me than a lot of the guys we've talked about in just a little bit. Like he's got some polish to him for sure, but it's really the fact that he's just an elite athlete that attracts me to him and thinks that he can be a, a decent guy in the NFL with a little bit of development. He was one of the the wonders of the combine because his testing was so fantastic. He's certainly faster than a lot of these guys on on the board that we've talked about. Um, he's just everything. He's just a better athlete than most everybody we've talked about here. Um, but I, the tape I found to be slightly underwhelming. Um, he just, uh, he, it was a lot of the same of like Davis Allen, Schoonmaker, Tucker, uh, you know, these other guys that I, that we've, that we've talked about. So, um, he's, he's a fine guy. Where do you have him as a, as a grade? Do you have him as a third round grade or still fourth? 
Uh, yeah, or early fourth on Zach Koontz and then early fourth on my sixth tight end. Okay, well then maybe we will uh, break into the day two guys. Let's do uh, six through four here. On my board, my tight end six is Payne Durham out of Purdue, who I'm higher on than you. He is your 11th guy. Uh, then Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. I'm much lower on him than many at my tight end five. And then tight end four, Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Who are your next three guys? Yeah, so I've my tight end six is Tucker Craft. Um, and okay. so that that kind of ends my fourth round, my like day three grade. That's that that cutoff then, between the top five guys we talked about, really. Right. And then, and then yeah. so then when we get into the top five, uh, my fifth is Darnell Washington and my fourth is Sam Laporta. Um, you know, I see a big gap between, you know, you get Tucker, Tucker craft. And then to me, there's a huge gap and then not that much of the different differentiates really the top five guys. It just depends on what kind of role you're looking for in your offense. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's cover these two guys before we that are outside that top five, and and then mm-hmm. we'll move into those five guys. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on Payne Durham because he's he's my tight end six. I've been high on him ever since there was a lot of hype coming out of the Senior Bowl about him. Con- compelled me to watch his tape earlier than probably any of these guys. And maybe it's just the fact that I watched him first that I've got a little draft crush on him, but there's a lot of things I like about him before I talk about those things. I want to hear from your perspective. What, what did you think of Payne Durham when you watched him? Yeah, I thought he was a great blocker, really good hands. I mean, I, I watched that's the, the Penn, thing for me, man. I watched His hands the Penn are awesome. state game. There was a play where he just like pancaked this dude. And then the very next play made this, crazy uh diving catch on an over route um so yeah I, I really like how you know i think he's a sure thing as far as what he brings to the table but um you know my thing with Payne durham is like there's just really no ability to uh like separate yeah. from what i saw just four eight uh, seven second 40 not great yeah it really like linebackers especially defensive backs have no issue keeping up with him in man coverage um there is like there is some nice like shake at the top of his route sometimes but i don't i don't know if that's really enough for me to see him consistently producing so to me he is kind of more of a jeff swaim type of player mm-hmm. um and like I, I actually think that like Jeff Swaim is a good blocker, so that's not as as negative of a comp. <laughs> that's sacrilege, uh, right? As here. like yeah. as maybe some other people would think, but yeah, I mean, like I think I think that uh, you need a Jeff Swaim type of player in your offense, and Payne Durham is like a blocker with maybe more. I would say he has more secure hands than Jeff Swain. That's but what I was going to say. In like, terms I, of like actually I don't hate creating, the anything hands within, creating anything within the offense, I don't know that you're really getting Payne Durham the ball consistently unless it's like a play-action shot play where you just fake out the defense. I don't hate the Payne Durham-Jeff Swain comp except for the fact that I would just call him Jeff Swain if he had actually good hands and well, yeah, had, had it's not like a it's not a hard set comp it's just more like right he's I, but, uh, he's but i think he is a lot like role i think yeah no i think he's he's gonna be that that kind of guy but i see way more explosiveness after the catch potential with him he there were a, a hand and this is 
I'm not trying to make a, a an irresponsible comparison here, but there were times like the play that you mentioned at, at the at the top of this discussion where he ha- he looked to me on tape a little bit like um a little bit like a uh this is bad. I'm really blanking on this guy's name. Um who's <laughs> the tight end out of San Francisco. San Francisco? He currently plays George Kittle. Yeah, Kittle. I don't know why I can't think of George Kittle's name. Um, he, he looks like George Kittle on a handful of plays. Now, is he going to be like George Kittle? No, Kittle's a much bigger, faster, better athlete, more, way more versatile. He's a star. But there were certain plays. There were a handful of plays on his highlight reel where I was like, ooh, I love that. I love his versatile ability, and I love his ability to, to make a, a move on a guy after the catch. I, I, I really just got enamored with the tape. The, the measurements aren't great. I don't um, think so- – I don't think – Honestly, that our evaluation of the players that differently is that different. My thing with tight ends and kind of the way that I value them is like, if you look at tight ends around the league, there's really only four or five, a handful of guys at any moment that are actually adding that much value to a team. Totally. And then like tight ends six through 30. 30. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, the difference is just not really even worth investing that much extra capital into. So it's like if I don't think a guy can has a chance to be in that Travis Kelsey tier, at least like a shot of being in that tier, I'll just let someone else take them and like yeah. assume that I can find a solid uh, kind of like lunch pail type of guy um, just, you know, and as a UDFA or whatever. All right, the last guy we would talk about for the top five is Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. He is my tight end eight. He is your tight end six. What did you think about Craft on tape? Yeah, Tucker Craft is probably the most difficult evaluation in this class. Um, Interesting. You know, he, he's up there, definitely among tight ends. Um, okay. You know, the athletic testing is, is great. Um, I like... I like the way that he quote unquote gets after it as a blocker. It's <laughs> it's like the level of competition though is just so bad um, True. that it just makes it really hard to evaluate. And like he, he's another player that I think has the athleticism to be someone that gets open. Um, I my comparison for him is Hunter Henry. Um, hmm. yeah, I don't hate but, that. but a lot of, like almost all of the big plays in production that I saw would just be South Dakota state runs the ball 20 plays in a row. And then they play action Tucker crafts running wide open down the seam. And it's like, that's a good play. I don't know how much I can really take from that to evaluate uh, you as an NFL player. So yeah, he's a, I'm kind of like, I just have him as my sixth ranked tight end where it's like, I definitely see how he turns into a, a good tight end but i uh i it would not surprise me if like he gets drafted and then you just never hear from him again because there's not a lot of really uh you know gradable plays on his tape yeah it is a it's a tough evaluation i agree with you there he looks like a you know a a man among boys in the fcs but it he's just playing a bunch of lawn chairs and deck furniture it's not real football um that's comparable to the nfl so it's certainly difficult from a measurement standpoint. He's uh, pretty average, kind of in the same vein as a lot of these guys, 6'5", 254. Um, his speed is just, you know, it's above average, 4'69", but not not um, blazing by any 
measurement. I, I don't have a whole lot to add on him besides the fact that I, I think I, I think I had some because I had him with a I calculate my own athletic scores. I had him with a ninety six point two athletic score, and really, yeah, no, like I, I, had, I had him with a four five nine in the forty. Um, that may have been his. I think uh, pro the, day, the number yeah, I just probably recited is from yeah, yours was probably so that was probably combi- his combine. Combine, yeah. yeah, okay. That's so you've got and, that fake pro day number. It's just yeah, a bunch I've of got, nonsense. I've got the man. juiced pro day numbers. Uh-huh. The thing is, though, is like if I'm gonna <laughs> if I'm gonna put JSN's four five two in my system as like a True. valid time anything goes like if we're Are you telling ohio, me i can't if we're taking pick. ohio state's track <laughs> if you're like if you're accepting ohio state's track into your data set yeah anything goes at that point like, then yeah if you're gonna do you that can, then you just gotta get best number out there you're for allowed everybody. to at that point you're allowed to like film people's uh take people's hype videos and like freeze frame time the four <laughs> like you can do, do a video analysis on a video yeah. yeah yeah no i agree um, so maybe he's more athletic than I'm giving him credit for, but he, I think, he just, I think he, kinda, he is, he's the most boring guy on this really list athletic, in my opinion. But I, I, I do, you know, a 96.2. I think he probably is a workout warrior. You could, you could probably classify him that, but I think, I think there is sure. like some athleticism, you know? Well, if, yeah, if you've got a 96.2 out of a, I'm assuming a hundred scale, it's a pretty athletic dude. No, it's out We've, of 97. Out of, <laughs> oh yeah, <I'm> sure. sure. <laughs> it's out of a thousand. He's horrible. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about these top five guys, um, and we've not been doing it this way necessarily. Well, look, no, just we'll we'll save the appeal. We'll go one at a time. So, um, we already mentioned we got we both got Sam Laporta at four. We can talk about him real quick. Sam Laporta out of Iowa is both of our tight end fours on the consensus board. He is the tight end five. What were your thoughts on Laporta out of Iowa? I love Sam Laporta. He is. I like um, him a lot too. I don't know about love, but I really like him. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of he's like um, a better version of like Luke Schoonmaker in terms of his route running ability. Like he was their entire offense. He would, um, they could, you know, they would send him out and have him just like route up cornerbacks running like a deep out or a comeback or something. Yeah, um, which is something that you don't really see from uh, from many of the tight ends in this class. So I think the route running ability, um, he's another guy that gets after it as a run blocker, but sometimes kind of out of control and he's just a smaller player. So doubt he'll ever be an elite run blocker. Um, you know what really stood out to me on his tape? And I'm curious if you thought the same thing, but do you, it's impossible to tackle the guy. His no, yeah, that, well, that, over that's, the that's the, that's the, the main thing with uh, Sam Laporta is, Right, what he does after the catch. I'm mm-hmm. looking up how many. I heard some stat on like how many miss force miss tackles he had um, last season. Once PFF loads, yeah, he forced 20 miss tackles last season. I, uh, I've got a number here. He had 30, 30 broken tackles on 111 catches over the last two years. So yeah, those yeah. two numbers are just stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, but yeah, like that play against is it Arkansas where it's like the entire basically the entire everyone on the defense gets a chance to try to tackle. Him. <laughs> yes, yeah, no he runs bring him down. Eric Henry runs through the the whole team for sure. Um so he's he's like um you know, my comp for him is Trey McBride who like barely played, so 
those are the best comps ones that no one's ever no players that you can't refute the comp because we don't know (laughs) right like comps that are were of players that are still basically draft that's what we should that's what we should do we should make comps during draft season only to guys from last year's draft so that it's impossible to really know but trey mcbride was like that where it's like okay if you just get him in an offense where like if if the offense can't run we go into Sam Laporta mode where we're just going to dump it off to him and let him get eight yards after the catch and just kind of spam that play. Um, I think for teams that are really bottoming out offensively and just need someone to eat up a bunch of targets, I think that could be Sam Laporta. Do you think he's going to be in the NFL? And it depends on where he goes, but do you think he's going to be more of a receiving only guy? His size is, is concerning when you consider the, the inline blocking potential. Do you, do you think he'll be versatile in that way at, at you know, he's, he's, it just, it depends six, on what three, kind of offense they go to. Like if for Sam Laporta to be on the Titans or the Falcons or the 49ers, um, right. you know, he would, there would need to be another better blocker. But if you're going to a team that barely runs the football and when they do, it's like inside zone out of shotgun, uh, you know, he could, I think he could be the guy in that sort of system. Um, the, this is really the first guy on this list based on my tape study. He's really the first guy we've talked about that's an actual threat in the seam. Like I, I trust this guy to do more than run against linebackers. Um, in college, he certainly was able to do that. He's, like we mentioned, outstanding with the ball in his hands. He, he, he Talk about a guy that has a little bit of kittle to him. Like this guy will just run through the entire team like you mentioned. Um he only had one touchdown his senior year, which is really funny. Like he's not a red zone threat based on his college because he only had five touchdowns in uh, three years. But he had 58 receptions last year uh, for 650 yards. Like he is a, a receiving guy. They just didn't really utilize him in in the red zone. From a measurement standpoint, I mentioned he's relatively small, 6'3", 245, 32 and an eighth inch arms. But it's the athleticism, right? 78th percentile shuttle, 88th percentile uh, two or three cone broad jump, vertical jump, 40. They're all up there north of 75%. So like th- this guy is explosive, agile, versatile. And I, I, I agree he is one of the top five guys in this class. What what round grade did you have on him? Is he around th- early three, late two? Uh, Sam Laporta is a late two. So okay. my top two guys are mid, mid twos. And then my uh, next three are late twos. So... Okay, really so you don't you don't have any of these guys graded as a first round pick. Um, well, my number one guy is the the 32nd ranked player on my board. It spans from 32 to 48. So, like, it okay, really amazing. is just a top tier to me of um of players. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, let's see who should we talk about next. Let's do let's do uh let's do Darnell Washington because he is your tight end five. Spoiler, he is my tight end three. I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid like the rest of, of Titans fans, media, Twitter. Um, he's just, I mean, it. <laughs> JT can attest to the fact that if you if you were there at the combine, just getting to stand next to him and then watch what he did on the field, it's really hard not to love the guy. What were your thoughts on him out of Georgia? Yeah, Darnell Washington is a player that I probably started out a little bit higher on and have gotten lower on once I try to just think about what his actual role in the NFL is. Because when I, when I first watch his tape, it's almost, it's like 
the fact that a human that big can you know do what he does is almost <laughs> just so impressive that you kind of give him a higher grade um and then it's like he's he's another player like uh some of the later guys that we talked about where i don't think he's ever going to be a high level separator in the nfl he struggles to get off of the ground um you know you actually see that with his vertical jump but as far as you know if he's not he's not going to be someone that can just uh beat people with quickness and and separate as a route runner which is fine as a tight end um if you have the speed and the ability to be an elite contested catch okay, threat. Or, or you're just like almost six, seven and it doesn't matter if you can get off the ground, you can just high point the ball. Like, <laughs> right. But you know, it's just, it's a small sample size of, of, you know, contested targets Re- and receiving and ability really ch- chances to be involved in the passing game. And I get that Brock Bowers was there. That's abs. I mean, he's going to be the first tight end drafted next year. So that's, absolutely right. um an excuse or i would say that's a reason as opposed to well, he just he gobbled all of his productive. receiving targets right yeah um, you're gonna go to washington or you're gonna go to um bowers over washington yeah but you know is i think his ceiling is kind of like an 800 yards per season type of receiver and then um in my opinion and then i think you know you'd have to be a team that really values run blocking from the tight end position because he's just going to be an immediate upgrade there. Um, not a perfect run blocker, but like from what you get from tight end prospects, I mean, it's as good as it gets with Darnell Washington. Um, yeah, his it, run, you know, I'm looking at his run block grade. He had an 81.3 according to PFF, which is kind of elite air for tight ends. Like so he when I, run when I watch, when I watch these players, you know, I don't know what, what my thoughts on them are going to be going into watching them. So I'm for all I know, I'm just watching a player. They could be like, um, you know, the second coming of, of um, Tony Gonzalez. So I'm saving clips because I might be doing a video on them. And normally when you watch tight ends, like if they're even giving effort as a blocker, that's enough to like save that. Like, Oh yeah, that's a good clip with Darnell Washington. Like, they're sending him just like sprinting ahead of the pack. Um, just, and he's putting safeties yeah. on their backs, like, you know, eight times a game, it gets to the point where it's like, um, it's not even really is, you know, it's not incredible anymore. Um, the stuff that right. Darnell Washington does, um, that would be for other players. Um, but yeah, it, with Darnell Washington, it really just comes down to where you value blocking versus receiving upside in your offense. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm this is the guy I'm most curious about to see in the NFL. Just just I'm, I, I need to know what his true receiving capabilities are, because like you mentioned, he he was up against the the teammate of of destiny in Georgia, who's like you like you said, going to be the best tight end in next year's class. Almost certainly Brock Bowers um, on the consensus board. Washington is, is tight end three, but it's it's really constantly changing with these five guys kind of changing in and out. This is a guy that, for I think a good reason, a lot of Titans fans are thinking could be a good fit with the Titans because he does have that crazy good inline blocking ability and could pair really nicely with Chig. It's a it's a size thing with him. That's the thing that immediately stands out. It 93rd percentile height, 85th percentile weight, 98th percentile wingspan, 91st percentile arm length. He's he's just gargantuan. Um, really, the only number that concerns you from a testing standpoint is his vertical jump. 
26th percentile, but the rest of it is fine. His, his 40 time was four, six, four at the combine. So that's, that's fast enough. He's not going to be a, a true separator. Like you mentioned, I don't think, but he'll be able to, to hang with, with the linebackers. Um, I, I think he's for his size. I'm actually kind of impressed by his burst and his speed. Um, I, I don't, I don't really knock him for, for, for his burst and speed because of the fact that he's, he's so big. And I, I do think that he in the NFL will be able to match with the, the, in like he may be able to match up with the best defensive ends in the league and not really have a concern in that way because of his size. He only had 45 receptions in college. So um, his receiving ability is really a projection as compared to a lot of the, a lot of these other guys. But I find him to be really fascinating. You have him as a, a late second round grade. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the next guy here, which is going to be let's do uh, let's do Luke Musgrave, who is my tight end five. He is your tight end two. You really like Luke Musgrave. He's he's a tough e- eval because of the injury situation, and you know he's been cleared by a doctor recently to to have no issues training and practicing this upcoming season. But before he got hurt at Oregon State, there was a lot to love. I don't know if there's a lot to 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 love about him, despite the injury that's going to make a team pull the trigger in the in the first or se- second round. Maybe somebody does, and it's just a project- projection thing. Uh, you're higher on him than me significantly. You think he's the second best guy in this class? So tell me, what is there to love about Luke Musgrave? Yeah, Luke Musgrave is the definition of uh, an upside, you know, boom bust type of pick. However, you want to phrase it. Totally. Um, I think for me. I'm drafting Luke Musgrave and just having him run 45 seam routes per game. (laughs) Um, Like the way that he just continues to build up speed throughout the route. And um, he has that frame to where he's able to accelerate through contact, through getting grabbed. Um, And not the most consistent hands, but uh, does a really good job of high pointing the football and catching it away from his frame. Um, you know, I think Luke Musgrave is a player that just when I when I stack all the players on my board, it, it really comes down to how I value tight end position. And like we I'll just spoil it. Dalton Kincaid is my tight end one. Those right. are the those are the two types of players that I'm targeting at tight end. Um, I'm not going to argue too hard about someone. Uh, it's really having, it's just having it's reservations kind of about want. Luke Musgrave because yeah. like he barely played and there are kind of a lot of red flags um, not like off the field type of stuff, but just red flags in his draft profile. Um, So yeah, having him tied in five, I totally get that. I think there's a lot of teams that I think he'll, he'll have a a really wide range as far as how teams grade him. What did you think about his route running? Cause it, it didn't come across across as the most polished thing to me. Like I liked his receiving upside, on tape for sure. He's got nice hands. He's, he's got athleticism that allows him to, you know, speed and burst and, and high pointing the ball. Like he can separate. I'm with you. He's going to be a seam guy for sure, but his route running is not the most polished in the world. In my opinion, is that kind of what you came away with? I think definitely when it comes to like quick, um, in breaking cuts, he, he kind of rounds those and he's more of like a, a stiff, um, like a, more of a, a stiff type of route runner, I think just athletically. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. But, you know, I think there, there's other, there's other uh, aspects to route running than just, you know, making 
quick one cuts. And I sure. think he's going to be, it's rare that you get tight ends that can actually be vertical threats. Like I think Luke Musgrave has the potential to be, but again, he it's, True. it's more of, it's more of a lottery ticket. Yeah. He's, he's the biggest boom bust guy to me in the, in this top five, mm-hmm. um, the, the measure, and I, which you mentioned already, I agree. The measurables are all good. He's, he's, he's a great athlete, like broad jump, vert, vert 40, 10 yard split hand size. They're all North of 85, 85th percentile. Um, he's almost six, six two fifty three. So like decent size for a guy that is going to be primarily a receiver. He could theoretically be a, a, an element in the inline blocking game if he got a little bit bigger, but that might take away from his athleticism. Um, you covered most all of the things that I, that I liked about him just on, on tape before he got hurt. He's a true vertical threat. I probably out of this top five class we keep referencing, is he, in your opinion, the the most the most likely to be a vertical threat in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, or is it Kincaid? Well, I think I think Kincaid is more like versatile. He's at his, he's at his best. He's at his best, like working uh, intermediate and underneath zones, like yeah. Um, really using his ability as a route runner and his ability to make uh, those contested catches and, you know, quickly turn around and find the football. Um, I think with, with Musgrave, he has the frame to where I want him like running down the seam, getting over the top of linebackers and stuff. Kincaid's more of like a chain mover, basically the tight end version of JSN, even though I think, um, his you know his speed is okay just like where he's at his best is basically playing that slot receiver role all right let's move on uh we're into our we're into our top threes here so we can just go ahead and reiterate those and and reveal the guys we haven't revealed yet my top three tight ends tight end three is darnell washington who we've already discussed tight end two for me is dalton kincaid and tight end one is michael meyer out of notre dame who are your top three tight ends so Number three would be Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Number two is Luke Musgrave, and number one is Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, and that and that makes sense. Um, it really is how you structure your tight end board. It's really dependent on the kind of player you're wanting. It makes sense that mm-hmm. you're wanting a guy that is more of a receiver type. So Kincaid and Musgrave are way up there. I like a guy that's that's more versatile in that way. I think Michael Mayer Mayer is the is the most the 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 most talented at doing both things you want a tight end to do in this class, but we can talk about him in a second. Let's let's well no, let's go ahead and get into Michael Mayer and Notre Dame because he's your tight end three. He's my tight end one. Um, I'll rant and rave about him in a second, but tell me uh, what you what you liked about him. Um, I'm assuming the reason he's your third guy is is simply because he's not as good a pass catcher as those top two. Well, not a, not as much about pass catcher. It's more just athletic upside. I think would be the biggest mm. thing with Michael Mayer. Um, I got you. I I really like his his route running technique and his ability to sell that he's going in one direction. And yeah. um, you know, I think he does a good job uh, separating for someone that isn't just this naturally like twitched up athlete. Um, really reliable hands difficult to tackle and when we look at you know he would be out of this top five he would be the second best run blocker besides darnell washington who's yeah you know literally literally a generational run blocker at the tight end position um and so you yeah, think he's that good as a run blocker here's the thing i will fight this battle 
uh, till my death. People okay. need to be a lot less conservative about using the word generational because we get less to this conservative. We throw it around like crazy. No, we don't. Okay. No one calls like anyone generational because they're afraid to use it. And like, if you call anyone generational, it's like, um, you know, people say that you're overusing it. There has to be something after elite. Like we, we understand that there's maybe five elite guys every year. And then the top guys, you know, you have to be Maybe able we need to a different say, word like, though, then because I, I hear well, generational, hey, and I think a generation of human beings, like every well, 15, I think of years, a football generation. I think of like a four to eight. I would say like four to eight years is like a, okay. a generational. Like if I say generational, it's like once every Five, seven or years. eight years. You know, yeah, ten years. Like I think Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck are the generational quarterback prospects. I think Saquon sure. Barkley and Bijan Robinson, Robinson. Just, just of my lifetime. Those are the generational running back prospects. Yeah. Like yeah, there has you. to be some word for just better than you see every there's single elite. Year, and then there's a leader and a lead S. Yeah. If, <laughs> if everybody wants to get together and come up and with, come a, with another with, word, with an it. intermediate word between generational and elite, I'm all for that. But until then, like Rare Darnell Washington is a, like it, he's the best run blocking tight end that I've ever seen. So that's generational to me. I'll, okay. I'll say I can respect it. I can respect it. Um, um, well, yeah, back to my, back to mayor here. Yeah. Back to mayor. Um, so yeah, I think he's, if I was splitting up my tight ends by like glorified slot receivers versus why uh, true Y tight ends, Michael Mayer would be Y tight end one. Um, and so, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot to like with him. It's just I don't see him being the receiving upside. I think he's – I don't want to call him not a good receiver because he can catch the ball. He does a good job um, running routes. But I think the receiving upside is just – in the NFL, it's so tied to um, athletic traits. And I'm not sure that – he can really ever be like a top five receiver. And to me, that's more of a, a second round player. Um, yeah. From a measurement standpoint, it's the, it's the least impressive thing about mayor, right? His, his height, his weight are just average six, four and a half two fifty. Um, he's got a really ninth percentile wingspan. Like he's not got the arms um, that are, that are ape hangers in that way. He's got a 4740, which is fine, slightly above average. From a tape standpoint, he's the most versatile guy, like I mentioned, in my opinion. That's why I have him as my one. I think that he's, if you're wanting somebody that can truly do both and you can, you, you don't have to project either to do both. You know that they can do both. Um, it, it is, this is the guy, right? Like there, there's no projecting to be done. We saw in college how he's able to, to be both an inline blocker and, an effective pass catcher a small thing but i think important he never missed a, a game in college so like he's not going to be an injury concern in that way um he he was a red zone machine had uh two seven and nine touchdowns in his in his three years in college um north of 800 yards the past two seasons uh, north of 10 yards per reception the past two seasons and yet his run blocking grade is still in in the elite territory his um, his inline snap count was still very high. He doesn't really drop the ball much. He forced 12 missed tackles last year, which is tied for eighth among these tight ends. 
eight deep catches. So like he still was used in it as a, as a deep, he's just really used at, at, in every possible way you can use a tight end at Notre Dame. Now, will he be that guy that you have run 30 seam routes? Like, like you would with a, uh, like you would with a Kincaid or I, I just don't think so. Um, but he still can absolutely be a receiving threat in the NFL. And that's why I think this refrigerator with legs is going to, uh, to maybe be a first round pick, but certainly an early round two pick. We've got two more. No, just, just the one last guy to talk about here. Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. He is my tight end two. He is your tight end one. James, what puts this guy above the crowd in your opinion? I think he's pretty decisively. I'm just looking up the board. I think, yeah, pretty decisively the best route running tight end Absolutely. in this class. Agreed entirely. Um, I was really here. impressed with just his focus as a pass catcher. Not necessarily like he's uh, this bully at the catch point, but just in, in tight spaces, his ability to track the ball. Um, really impressive. And he, he just, to me, seems like, the type of player that is going to, you know, like get drafted to the chiefs or something. And in the AFC championship, you know, just convert like 12 third downs in one game. Like he, he's that type of player to me that I think uh, you can rely on in a pass heavy offense to be the one B receiving threat. So I def the Travis Kelsey comparisons. I definitely think that's the high end for him. I have Zach Ertz. Um, I like as, that comp a lot. As probably yep. like the 70, 70th percentile comp for mm -hmm. him. Um, what do you think his true ceiling is? Do you have a comp for if he, well, I mean, is, I think Travis Kelsey is probably the yeah, best that's what I was trying to goad you into right? saying, because this is the one guy on this list you watch and you're like, this kind of Kelsey. Bro. No, yeah, yeah. I, I think the the 100 percentile comp for Dalton Kincaid would be Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah. Just how explosive he is out of route breaks and, um, you know, the way that he can set people up. He is uh, a liability, complete liability as a run blocker. Yep. Um, probably his run block grade probably was the, a, not probably even, the was a worst it's bad yeah of any any player that we've talked about i think i would rank him as the worst run blocker but like that's not what you're gonna if you draft that's not what you're drafting, you're drafting this guy you're as a not, receiver that's he's, he's not gonna just put his a, hand he's just a receiver in the dirt he's gonna be a slot receiver and you're drafting him as a tight end hopefully you can uh pay he's him like a tight player. end when his contract uh comes due yeah, exactly. That's that is the from a financial standpoint and a long view standpoint. That's what it is. If you could get a a Ertz to Kelsey E player who is essentially just your wide receiver two, three, four on the roster, and you can pay him like a tight end and keep him around, like that is incredible uh, value added. I wonder if that's like I wonder if that's an actual thing people thought. That's I bet I bet GMs I bet it is thinking about that when they. Because think about the Titans, for example, and we're, mm -hmm. we're talking about JSN at 11, which I think is a good pick. But then if JSN hits and turns into a, a great receiver, you have to pay him $20 million a year. Why don't we just take Dalton Kincaid and he's going to play the same position and then we're going to pay him $5 million less. I mean, I think if I had the same grade on a player, which I kind of do on JSN and Dalton Kincaid, I would actually weigh that in my head is like positional value. Cause ultimately I'm just trying to save money with these first round picks. I'm trying to get 
like a tackle or a wide receiver on a rookie contract as opposed to having having to pay them big money in free agency. And I think like that would be a real, uh, real thing that would go into my thought process. I mean, yeah, like the, I don't know if he's the highest paid tight end in the league. I actually guessing he may not quite be the highest paid, but the best tight end in the league, Travis Kelsey, his APY right now is just North of $14 million, which is like in wide receiver terms. Yeah, which in wide receiver terms is like, you know, a, a middle to mm-hmm. high end wide receiver too. It's 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 ridiculous in terms of uh the pass catching ability. Like he really is deserving yeah. of a $25 million contract in terms of the value he adds to a team. So if you can get a stud receiving tight end that is really just a a, a fat receiver, uh, then then that is amazing value for you as a GM. From a measurement standpoint, this guy, Musgrave, has it all pretty much. He's not got the longest arms in the world, but are we saying Kincaid or Musk? Wait, oh, sorry, sorry, Kincaid. Kincaid I, I just I was guessing in my head, I got and you. then uh, was I, I get them confused. Um, Musgrave, from a measurement standpoint, is uh, 80th percentile height, 52nd percentile weight. He he doesn't have the longest arms in the world, but clearly that doesn't really matter. He's he's a phenomenal pass catcher. Um, he had eight touchdowns in each of the last two seasons in college. Uh, this past season, he had just shy of 900 yards on 70 receptions, 12.7 yards per reception. Uh, he only he he lined up 142 times as an inline blocker, but then lined up for for a, being a pass catcher 400 times, and then an, an additional 200 in the slot. So like he is going to be that true Kelsey guy in terms of how you utilize him. At least I agree that from a run blocking standpoint it's a disaster it's not what you're drafting him for at 240 he, he's gonna remain a smaller guy but that's again fine you're using him as a receiver um his measurables when it comes to athleticism speed agility explosiveness all off the charts all north of 85th percentile um definitely a move tight end if anything from just a build standpoint I don't want him to get any heavier, but from a like muscle mass standpoint, I think he can get a little bit more rocked up seeing him at the combine and, and watching him on tape. Like he doesn't seem like he's carrying as much muscle as he could potentially be carrying. Maybe that's just a poor assumption on my part. The only other knock on him really, besides being a horrible run blocker is the fact that he is going to be 24 this year, which is on the older side. But again, who, who really cares? Um, I, I don't think it's that big a deal. At 24, that's kind of the, the cutoff for me in terms of a really high-end pick. Do you you have an early second-round grade on this guy? Um, on, on Musgrave, I have a mid-second-round grade. Uh, Dalton Kincaid and Musgrave, Kincaid. I have mid... Yeah, I have mid-second-round grades on both. On both? Okay. Yeah. All right, well, that's it. We've gone through our top 10, so let's reiterate here. My top tight ends at 10, Davis Allen out of Clemson. 9, Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan. 8, Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. Seven, Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. Six, Payne Durham out of Purdue. Five, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. Four, Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Three, Darnell Washington out of Georgia. Two, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. And one, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. James's top 10, Davis Allen as his tight end 10. His tight end nine is Brenton Strange out of Penn State. At eight, Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan. Seven, Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. Six, Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. Five, Darnell Washington out of Georgia. Tight end four is Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Tight end three is Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Two, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. And his tight end one is Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. James, before we let you go, please brag about yourself and the work you've done on this 
on this draft process. Tell people about the videos they need to go watch on YouTube and then tell them about the uh, the, the big board you have on A to Z Sports because they're both fantastic. Yeah, on A to Z Sports uh, Film Room YouTube channel, I've got probably about 50 players, 40 to 50 players uh, that we've done videos on at this point and uh, just trying to knock out as many guys as we can before the draft. Um, and then if you head to my Twitter Who's the guy account, you haven't done that you're most eager to get done before the draft? Um, video standpoint. Ooh, let's see. Tanner McKee. Tanner McKee, mm. I, I want to do a video on. I think Sicko I think hours for Tanner going. McKee. I think like my one of my hottest Uh-oh. takes this year Uh-oh. is that Tanner McKee is like easily a better quarterback prospect than Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker? I think I don't Hendon hate Hooker that take. might I like the Hendo Cinco uh <laughs> mirage i think <laughs> the hindo cinco love i just i don't know uh, about it like yeah no he, this no. dude threw he threw it's like eight or nine i think it's eight passes outside of the pocket this past season we're talking about uh, hooker Hendon hooker yeah like, yeah i don't know um, it's tough it's tough but anyways if you head over to my twitter account um I, it's my pin tweet i have uh all of my draft rankings up i basically i learned how to write um write like web apps basically to do this uh kind of a a long project that i've been you should have just asked chat months. gpt you could have done it in like 10 minutes just have it make it for okay chat gpt is so useful to like bug test it though it really is. Here's yeah. some free game, like for anyone. I because I used I used to think like, oh, I really need to learn how to code, but I'd never have. I don't have time to like take some class. So my thing is like, I would just like write the framework of it and you know write it piece by piece, and then copy and paste the code in and say, hey, why isn't this running? And it would tell me the right answer. And exactly it why? So, yeah. Like, yeah, I would any anybody that's looking to. Uh, get into that sort of thing the barriers are a lot less stringent than i think they used to be uh so yeah no i agree guys go check him out james foster twitter youtube a to z sports um does fantastic work the the most knowledgeable guy when it comes to the draft in the nashville media market james appreciate you being with us hopefully we can have you on one more time before the draft is here man have a good one for sure thanks for having me Appreciate James for stopping by, giving us some of his time. He's fantastic, obviously. He knows what he's talking about, obviously. I don't have to convince you on that. This guy grinds the tape more than anybody else in the in the national media market, really. This 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 guy watches more tape than anyone. Um, I, JT, you may not have heard this yet because you haven't listened to the episodes, but Stoney gave an anecdote at the very end of the tackle episode where he was trying, he was talking with James uh, via text about Paris Johnson Jr. and just trying to figure out what games to watch. And Stoney was saying that he'd texted James and was like, I've watched five or six of his games this year. Like, how much have you watched? And James was like, Well, I started with like 2020. I watched five games from 2021 and then five games from 2022 and then his entire 2023 season. I was like, Whoa, dude, relax. Um, so he he is a comprehensive tape watcher, ball knower, and we appreciate him being on. We've got another episode planned with him that we're going to record next week may come out next week may come out on like the Monday of draft week, but it's, it's the, it is the concept for a show that I am most excited about for the rest of, of our schedule before the draft JT. I'm very excited. It's a lot of thought experiments looking for value, evaluating really the entire draft top to bottom through some clever 
um, clever prompts. And, and so I, that's all I'm going to tease on that. Make sure to check out the next James Foster episode in the next week or two. Next week, we've got six episodes. So we'll actually have a Saturday episode next week. Uh, we got to fit these all in. We're going to be covering everything from mock draft 2.0 to going through the receiving room, uh, the receipt, the receiver position with a very special guest. I'll, you know what? JT, should I should I reveal who the guest is going to be just to get a little hype going? Our receiver episode next week should be early next week. Austin Gale from formerly PFF, now a, a, a manager and producer with The Ringer. Dude knows ball. Dude has is a true national media member. He's been on Good Morning Football and ESPN and all these things. He's he's brilliant, and we've had him on the show once before. We ran into him and, and spent a night with him in Indianapolis at the Combine, and I said, Dude, we got to get you on for a show. He said, let's do it. So we will be recording that next week and, re and releasing it as soon as possible. But um, what better topic than re receivers, something the Titans need very desperately. Excited for that one. Um, excited for all of our shows next week. So make sure to tune in. Make sure to go back to the backlog of this past week because we've got our top interior offensive linemen, top tackles. Um, what else did we do early in this week? I've already forgotten. Uh, we did some news on Monday, I believe. And then on edge, edge players, oh, edge and defensive line. Yeah, edge and D line. So that those are the the groups that we've already covered this week. Make sure to go and check them out. We have so far we've we have accomplished safety, linebacker, D line, edge, tight end, interior offensive lineman, tackles. So I guess all we have left is what we got one defensive group in the cornerbacks, and then quarterbacks, receivers. And running back. So four, only four more. I can see a light at the end of the tunnel, JT. And that just means the draft is coming up very quickly. I think we're just 14 days away or something like that. Um, well, we're recording this on Thursday. So yeah, 14. We're exactly two weeks away from the draft. Very excited for that. Um, I'm done pitching things. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave a rating and a review. We appreciate you guys doing those. And we will read them out on the show whenever you do leave a five-star review and a rating or five-star rating and a review. So please go and do that. Scroll to the bottom of the podcast feed right now. It takes two seconds, and it means a lot to us. So thank you for doing that. And until Monday, when we get into the Mock Draft 2.0, I believe that's what we'll be doing on Monday. Uh, whatever we get into Monday, we will see you here first thing in the morning. Until then, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. For producer JT, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week.